Welcome to the Defender Bible Study, a weekly encouragement to equip the body of Christ through the study of Scripture and prayer to manifest the gospel to orphans and vulnerable children around the world. This podcast is a ministry of Lifeline Children's Services, where we believe that defending the fatherless begins by being rooted in God's Word. Welcome again to the Defender Bible Study. This is Rick Morton, and today we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Genesis. Today we'll be looking at chapters 20 and 21 of Genesis as we continue to uh, to walk through the, the first book in the Bible and, uh, and God's interaction with people, His covenant-making with Abraham, and, and the beginning of the history and the heritage that we claim uh, through Christ. And so, this morning we're gonna we're gonna start by um, right at the beginning of chapter chapter twenty, and so we see a story that that begins to unfold um, about Abraham and uh, and a king named Abimelech, uh, and so actually it's a title of a king named named Abimelech, but we'll get there. So um, from there, Abraham journeyed toward the territory of Negev uh, and lived between Kadesh and Shur. He sojourned in Gerar. And Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she is my sister. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night and said to him, Behold, you are a dead man because the woman you have taken, because of the woman you have taken, for she is a man's wife. Now Abimelech had not approached her, so he said, Lord, will you kill an innocent people? Did he not himself say to me, she is my sister? Um, and she herself said, He is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and in the innocence of my hands, I've done this. Then God said to him in the dream, Yes, I know that you have done this in the integrity of your heart, and it was I who kept you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now then, return the, the man's wife, for he is a prophet, so that he will pray for you, you shall, and you shall live. But if you do not return her, know that you shall surely die, uh, you and all who are yours." And and so we today one as as we start if you haven't really thought about the the outline and the sequence of events in the book of Genesis in a long time um, you may have um, looked at your phone or wherever you get your podcast uh, to make sure that you're not listening to a podcast from several weeks ago because this sounds like a repeat um, and unfortunately it's not a repeat it's uh, in in the Bible study, it's a repeat in the life of Abraham. What we what we see this morning is that uh, Abraham uh, again lies about Sarah being his sister in order to try to protect himself and in order to try to protect his family. And so the setting that we find Abraham in at the beginning of Genesis chapter twenty is he's moved on from the land overlooking uh, Sodom. And um, the Bible doesn't really tell us why. Um, maybe it's because of what he saw there and the devastation and the destruction and um, really just kind of the, the memory of that. We really don't know why. But, but for some reason, Abraham um, moves on and, and sojourns to, uh, to a different part of the land, a part of the land that is controlled by a king uh, whose title is Abimelech. And so Abraham goes, and in an attempt um, to protect himself, he he lies about Sarah being his wife, um, which 
uh, we'll hear Abraham try to justify himself in that lie um, a little bit later. And but but what we see in in these first few verses is a really stark contrast between Abraham's um, instinct toward self-preservation and his um, his lying and really taking on his shoulders his own protection versus the protection of God. Because on the one hand, we see Abraham in this feeble attempt um, to try to orchestrate the circumstances himself and to bend the truth in a way that will help him to be able to find safety and security in this new land. But what we see also is God's faithfulness uh, because God is in a covenant relationship with Abraham and God's in a covenant relationship with Abraham, um, not on the strength of who Abraham is. God's on in a covenant relationship um, because of who he is. Remember that when we see um, the moment that God makes the covenant with Abraham, God makes the covenant upon himself, um, not upon Abraham. And so God, God essentially promises upon himself. And, and we see, you know, in that vision that Abraham had about the, the torch going between the, the halves of the, the bull and, you know, this idea that they're, they're entering into a covenant, a, con, a contractual relationship that God has promised to make a great nation of Abraham. He's promised to give um, the, the, the descendants of Abraham um, the land. And, and so he's, he's made a promised land. He's told Abraham that he, um, what his future will be. And, and Abraham is still struggling to trust. And, and I think this morning, you know, what it, what it helps us to sort of identify with, I think we can many times identify with Abraham that, um, that it's our impulse often. I know it's my impulse often to um, to want to take things into my own hands, to want to to move the chess pieces of life around the board, and to be able to protect myself, to protect the people around me. And and that the impulse many times is 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 that we sort of want to crowd God off of. Um, the throne in our lives, to push Jesus to the margins and just to take care of those things ourselves. Um, and, and that's really our, our selfish human nature. It's that part of us that is that is still in the midst of transformation. It's that unsanctified part of us that is that is struggling against fully believing the gospel and fully following the gospel. Now, um, God steps in and he protects uh, both Abimelech, but he also protects Abraham. Um, he steps in before anything happens with Sarah. He, he steps in before, um, you know, before there's, there's an irrevocable act here and he, he protects Abimelech, but he, but in, but he also, um, stops the plan of Abraham, uh, in, in the, in the midst of it, um, in order to protect Abraham and in order to ultimately bring about, um, his perfect plan, um, for Abraham. Because one of the things I think that that you understand here is is if if Sarah had if if they had consummated the relationship, then that brings all kind of confusion into uh, the birth of Isaac that we're going to see in chapter twenty one, and and the the idea that um, God wanted to protect the fact that he was at work and and the fact that he was going to bring Abraham an heir and and that he was going to do it by his power and by his strength and so God would have been robbed of his glory 
if he had allowed this thing to take place. And so he intervenes and and steps in and protects both Abraham and Abimelech. But it's worth noting that he protects Abraham by thwarting his plan. And so sometimes the, the fact is that God works in our circumstances, God works in the things around us, and, and he does things that that are for our good, but maybe things that that are against our plan. And 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 we need to be grateful for the fact that God providentially um, enters into the circumstances of our lives and 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 directs us and shapes us and keeps us um, in in the center of His will. And and so what happens coming out of um, this scene is that um, Abraham is then. Um, rebuked by this king who's not even a follower of God. So Abimelech rose early in the morning and he called his servants and he told them all these things and the men were very much afraid. Then Abimelech called Abraham and said to him, what have you done to us and how have I sinned against you that you brought me brought on me and my kingdom a great sin? You have done these things that ought not to be done. And Abimelech said to Abraham, what did you see that you did this thing? Abraham said, I did it because I thought um, there is no fear of God in this place and they will kill me because of my wife. Besides, she is indeed my sister, the daughter of my father, though not the daughter of my mother, and she became my wife. And then God calls me, caused me to wander from my father's house. I said to her, this is the kindness you must do to me at every place to which we come. Say of me, he is my brother. So we see here that Abraham hasn't learned his lesson, and and when he's caught in his sin, when he's rebuked by this heathen king who really speaks a a, a word almost on you know God's behalf of indictment against Abraham, what does Abraham do? He seeks to justify himself, and and I think again we can probably identify with the 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 very human broken part of Abraham's response. That, that many times when when we are caught in our sin, our impulse is not is not to throw ourselves on the mercy of God. It's not to it's not to claim the the grace of God. It, it it's 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 first to to justify ourselves and to to minimize the nature of our sin. To try to try to explain our sin away and and try to convince ourselves and others that our sin isn't sin or that it's not as egregious as 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 it appears to be. And so that's what we see right here in in the life of Abraham. You know, he he says, um, you know, first of all, I, I thought um, people didn't fear God here, and and that was and that was frightening to me. Um, ultimately, it's ironic that um, Abraham was the one who wasn't really fearing God, and Abimelech was the one who was who was operating in the fear and the respect of God. And and so, um, in in Abraham's excuse, we, we see that um, that he's really he's he's trusting in himself and he's trusting in his own craftiness, and and that ultimately he's seeking to to vindicate himself as opposed to trusting his vindication um, to God. 
and that God's already promised that he is going to see him through and that he's going to make of him a great nation and that he's going to provide an inheritance for him. And so he already already bears the promise that that ultimately that that God is going to justify him. Yet Abraham continues to try to justify himself. The the second kind of lie that Abraham told in the circumstance is is, is a half truth. He says that um, Sarah, well, Sarah kind of is my sister, like she's my half sister. She's not really my my full sister, and so so I didn't really completely lie to you. But he also didn't tell the truth at all. Um, he didn't tell that Sarah was his was his wife. Um, why? Because because it was very common in uh, in in the ancient Near East that kings and leaders would would give someone from their house in marriage to another king in order to to be able to to make a peace between the people and and to create a peace treaty. And so Abraham is basically making this lie about Sarah full well knowing um, what what likely could happen. Um, but he's doing it because because he believes he's in peril, even though God has told him that he's that he's that that he is um, God's chosen, pathway for God's creation of a people. Um, and so Abraham is ultimately not trusting God. Um, the last thing that that Abraham says, and I think this is maybe the most um, difficult and maybe the most scandalous, but the, the one that we kind of pass over in English and and don't really see the, the, the depth of what Abraham says, but it, it says that um, he says, when God called me to wander from my father's house, ultimately, indirectly, Abraham was blaming God. Um, he, he said, um, look, God sent me out on this dangerous journey and I, I have to protect myself. Um, and, and there's a, the, the verb that Abraham uses um, to, to mean wander is a Hebrew word. Only it, it occurs 50 times in Scripture and there's never one sense in which it's used that's good. It refers to things like animals going astray or a drunken man um, stumbling around and reeling and staggering. Um, it people wandering into sinful seduction. Um, it, the the wandering that people do when a prophet's lie causes the people um, to stumble and to move away from God, or or it's the the path of a lying heart. And so Abraham's not just saying that that God caused me to wonder, God caused me to, to, to like go on this journey. What he's saying is God called me to go on this aimless enterprise that, that I'm just stumbling around with no idea what to do or how to do it. And God's just left me on my own in this. And at the end of the day, he's trying to justify himself by, by saying that, that it's God's fault because, because God has not provided for him. And I think that's a, that's a huge warning to us. Um, and, and, and so we, um, when we are in sin, um, we like Abraham look for ways to justify ourselves and, and maybe many times, um, would, would even want to, to sort of blame God or, or, or claim that it was some shortcoming on God's part. And it's not a shortcoming on God's part. And ultimately that, that he has, he has purchased our redemption in Christ. He has given us um, everything that we need and that we, uh, we ultimately are the ones that, that stray and wander. But God is faithful. 
And what we see in the midst of this is even though Abraham's being rebuked, God didn't leave him. He didn't drop him. He didn't, he didn't sever their relationship. He, he, he continued and, and he continued to work out his plan. It's also interesting at the end of chapter 20, um, Abimelech's response, he basically um, gives ox and sheep and male and female servants and and like gives this huge generosity to Abraham um, in the midst of Abraham being caught in sin and sinning against Abimelech. And, and so in that, he sort of acts more godly than Abraham did. It's sort of that Romans um, 12 kind of moment where, where Paul tells us, don't repay evil with evil. Um, but if your enemy is thirsty, give him something to drink. If he's, if he's hungry, feed him. And, and ultimately, that your kindness will, will heap coals uh, on his head. And, and so what he, but, but the, the truth that Paul is trying to help us to understand in Romans 12 is, is that we need to trust our defense and our vindication and, and ultimately the punishment for sin against us to God. We don't have to be the ones that, that, that meet that out. And so Abimelech unwittingly gives a really great example um, under God's prompting for God's response for when people sin against us. That, that our, our role in that is, is to be forbearing and forgiving. Our role in that is to be kind in the face of unkindness and in the face of attack and to trust God um, to deal with those who wrong us or, or maybe even those who persecute us. And that we trust that, that God ultimately um, will deal with them justly and he'll deal with them rightly. So then we, we turn the page and, and we go from, from this you know, very um, stark scene of Abraham falling far short of, of God's ideal to God's ultimate incredible faithfulness. So chapter 21 starts, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord said to Sarah as he had promised, um, or the Lord did to Sarah as he promised, and Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the time um, of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore him, Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son when Isaac uh, was eight days old, as God commanded him. Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Yet I have borne him a son in his old age. And, and, so, um, and so we see ultimately that Abraham, that, that, that the promise to Abraham was fulfilled, um, not because Abraham was perfect, um, not even because he was righteous, but ultimately because he was chosen and justified by God. And, and, and what an incredible truth for us to, to reflect on in our own lives, that, that we aren't um, in Christ, we aren't loved by Christ, we aren't cared for, and, and we aren't ultimately sealed by Christ because of our performance and because of, of the, the quality of our obedience, we are ultimately sealed in those things uh, because of Jesus and because of who he is. And so the, the very nature and the very character of God is the thing that, that, that seals us and, and keeps us and, and holds us and provides for us 
our salvation. And, and, and there are promises. We see promises in Scripture um, that are conditional. And there are things that we must do in order to, to receive um, some things that, that, that God may provide. You know, there's a, I mean, think about the Ten Commandments. We, you know, the, the, the command to honor uh, our father and mother. Well, what, what, there's a promise. And, and basically, there's a conditional. If we honor our father and mother, our days, like God's going to lengthen our days on the earth, that, that, that God is, God is going to give something to us because, um, of our obedience. But there are also unconditional promises in Scripture, and the promise of salvation is um, is unconditional. That our unconditional surrender to God um, means His unconditional um, covenant with us, and and that ultimately, when we die to self and 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 live to Christ, that that even in the midst of our struggle, even in the midst of our our movement towards sanctification, even in our midst to 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 not be all that we should be in Jesus uh, or or in in life in following Jesus, we have the covering of Jesus that Christ provides for us, and that ultimately He is atoned. Um, for our sin. The second thing that we see um, in this uh, that I think is kind of noteworthy and and would just want to point out really quickly to you is that um, the name Isaac that that you know literally we've heard and and probably anybody that grew up in Sunday school it, you know knows that the name Isaac means laughter. Um, well, it, it's it's really kind of interesting just to note that when Sarah was first told of God's promise, she laughed, and it wasn't a laugh of joy. Um, it was she was incredulous. Sarah couldn't believe it was going to happen, and, and it was so she was scoffing. Um, but now, um, with the blessing of God and the coming of Isaac, she was laughing again. But she was laughing at God's goodness and His favor. And, and ultimately God's providence. And, and so, and so this is, this is kind of coming full circle in the experience. And so while they may not have learned some things, they've learned other things that are, that are incredibly, uh, incredibly important. Now, the, the, the balance of chapter 20, um, we see that um, there's a conflict that comes ultimately, and, and, and Sarah observes a, a potential conflict over the horizon between uh, Ishmael and Isaac. And, and so um, without reading all of the rest of the chapter, we'll just kind of summarize it and say that, that when, um, when Isaac was weaned, we think, you know, I think maybe probably around three years old, um, that there was there was a party and there was a celebration and that um, Sarah observed um, Hagar um, like scoffing, sneering at the joy that was being expressed over um, Isaac and over his birth and, and over his growth. And she realized that it was it was a problem that was that was going to come. It was almost inevitable that there was going to be a sibling rivalry, and that um, that Ishmael, who's thirteen years older than Isaac, th- that it was it was going to be it was going to be difficult for for them to grow up together, and for Isaac to grow up into the role that he was given to be the be the heir of promise. And so Sarah goes to Abraham and she says, I like you need to send Hagar and Ishmael away. And, and Abraham struggled with that, but God, God came to um, God came to Abraham and and he 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 told him, 
you need to listen to Sarah and, and you need to do this. This is, you know, this is part of the plan. And and this is a sign of Abraham maybe finally beginning to to get it on some deeper level because he doesn't try to make his own plan at this point. He does what God tells him um, that he should do. And and so ultimately he sends um he sends Hagar and Ishmael away. And and so under God's instruction, he he gives them food, he gives them um, something to drink, and and he sends them away. And they go to they go to the wilderness of Beersheba um, to to wander. Um, but what we see then is that that God, being a covenant keeping God, um, that when when Hagar came to the end of the provisions that that Abraham had given them, and she was far away from Abraham and and his protection, that God protected her because God had made a covenant with Abraham, and He'd made a covenant covenant to protect the offspring of Abraham, even the illegitimate offspring of Abraham. And so, ultimately, at the very end of their rope, um, as ha- as as Hagar put Ishmael down basically to die. God heard the cry of the child and he he met them in their need and he provided for them water and he gave them strength and and he and he helped to lead Ishmael to become a hunter and to provide um, for for himself and for his mother and and that ultimately um, God um, God provided uh, and 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 God ultimately um, provided in a way that protected His plan for the people of Israel, and and so then we see at the end of the very end of chapter twenty one that Abraham makes a covenant with the Philistine king uh, Abimelech, and and this is probably not the same Abimelech as in Genesis chapter twenty, but because that's really more of a title Abimelech than it is a name. Um, but 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 essentially um, he makes a makes a covenant with Abimelech and 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 makes an agreement um, to clear up a dispute um, about a well that that takes on um, significance later in the story. And so we'll pick that up at the point um, that that we run across it in um, in the story, but that that ultimately, um, God has um, has shown Himself to be faithful through this story um, in in providing for Abraham, even in spite of Abraham's actions, and to the point of um, even protecting the land that he had had, had placed aside for Abraham. Um, and so, when what we see is that when Abraham does things God's way. Um, ultimately God gets glory. And when Abraham doesn't do things God's way, Abraham um, faces rebuke. Um, but God also, um, his plan prevails and God also gets his glory. And, and so um, I think we, you know, we can see the, the thing I think we take confidence in today as we, as we walk away from these two chapters is that, that we are in covenant relationship with a covenant keeping God. 
and that the strength of that covenant is not based upon you and me and our obedience and our ability to be able to stand up. It's it's based on God and his perfection and ultimately in his character, and it's based in his sacrifice uh, and, and in the work that Jesus has done. And so so you and I, I think it, it, this is a great reminder to us um, to, to avoid the temptation of self-justification, but also to, to dive into the justification that's provided in Christ and the assurance of, of who we are and ultimately the assurance of our inheritance and our eternity because of what Christ has done. And so I hope today you've been, you've been challenged. I hope you've been encouraged. Um, I hope you continue to, um, to be nourished by the study of the book of Genesis. And, and so hope you'll meet us back here next week again as we delve into the, the next portion of our study beginning in, verse, in chapter 22 of the book of Genesis. So until then, um, this has been uh, Rick Morton, and, uh, and we have really enjoyed being able to sit down and have this time with you on the Defender Bible Study. Thanks again for joining us for the Defender Bible Study. If you enjoy making this podcast a part of your weekly routine, we'd love for you to take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review the Defender Bible Study to make it easier for more people to find. For more resources and information on how you and your church can partner with Lifeline, please visit us at lifelinechild.org. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lifeline Child. You can email us directly at info at lifelinechild.org. We look forward to seeing you again next week for the Defender Bible Study.